Welcome to the Oh Dear Podcast. My name is Christian Duran, Senior Vice President of the Oh Dear Podcast, Oh Dear Nation, Oh Dear Limited, and all subsidiaries there in Fort Which, joining me as always on the one podcast where we talk about the things that make your mother clutch her pearls and say, oh dear, are my two co-hosts, Nick Whitmer. Yeah. And yeah. Brett Raybold. Yeah. Boo, boo. I I (laughs) You should have a sound effect. It just boos me. (laughs) I wanted to give you guys wrestler nicknames like Beautiful Brett Rabel (laughs) and (laughs) the Nightmare Nick Whitmer. (laughs) He's the mountain from the mountain. He's the Whitmer from the woods. <laughs> he can feel dress a squirrel better than anyone else can. I just picture Whitmer walking down the down the road. It'd ramp. be funny you have that. Try to touch him. He, goes, hmm. <laughs> he like funny pretends that, to punch people in the crowd. Yeah, you do all those things, and you think this giant mountain man comes, and then it's just me. Like, what's up, guys? Oh <laughs> Never would have thought that, huh? Whitmer's gimmick should be like a cook, so he comes with an apron. And a oh, my God. <laughs> if, yeah. like, that's that's basically what happens when you meet with Vince McMahon. He goes, so uh, tell me about yourself. And you're like, oh, well, I like to cook. He's like, ah, oh, God damn, you're going to be a chef. Gonna- <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have an apron on. And you're going to beat people with a fish spatula. <laughs> Rick, do you um, think what would be your what would be your wrestler walkout music? Do you know? Oh man. Well, the thing is, is like what I would really like it to be versus what would be the most wrestlery thing. You know what I mean? It's so I think the most wrestlery thing would be like POD or something. You know, like something like <laughs> <laughs> something like I don't know, like or yeah, early two thousands. <laughs> Yeah, new metal rock, whatever that genre was. <laughs> oh, oh god! Oh, the worst genre in music history is yeah, me- like rap, map, like rock, rap, metal shit. Yeah, it's like that yeah. Florida music. That shit is all <laughs> new metal. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. If there's a music that can be described as like the leg tattoo of music. <laughs> <laughs> just a cobra on a calf <laughs> and it's hidden by a, a knife in a sheath yeah. on the ankle. <laughs> so my favorite bad. thing in uh wrestlemania 2003 i think it's opened by limp biscuit but the way the announcer says it is like so it's so um uh purposely uh, said deliberately said and like no one would ever talk like this that like it makes me think that like oh Vince McMahon definitely made them say it like this where he goes and now WWE's favorite band in the whole world Limp Biscuit. <laughs> like uh, don't introduce WWE's God. favorite band in the whole world the whole it's world that's like, like, like that's like the, yeah that's good like say, the whole wide world trying to like suck up to Limp Biscuit. <laughs> yeah. The whole wide world. That's my favorite band. Oh, man. Fucking Limp Bizkit. There's a big overlap between, like, I bet I see Insane Clown Posse fans and WWE fans. There's a huge overlap. I mean, not so much anymore. It's like ICP is so... Like you really, you you're really right. That's be... probably that's too classy for wrestling. <laughs> At this point, if you're still an ICP fan, you're you're going down with the ship, man. Right? You're like, oh, uh, we um, uh, one time I was doing a show in Philly with Jordan and um, Catherine Henson, and we did our show, and uh, and then afterwards, oh no, we got kicked out of our our space. Like there's two floors and we got kicked out of the downstairs space mm-hmm. because um, the they were doing an ICP album release party and nobody told us. So we like we did our show and they were like, well, we got to stay for the ICP party. And it was an ICP album release party. But the thing was, they didn't show up like it was <laughs> it was juggalos. It was like 15 to 20 juggalos in a room. 
and they were just partying to the new song. But like, it wasn't like ICP was there or they streamed in right. and said hello or anything. They were just like, that like, was, I was there with you that, uh, that show. Um, oh, were you really? Yeah. Cause I remember being amazed that these dudes, like seeing the poster, it was like $20 tickets. Yeah. And the idea of like, wow, you want to talk about like fan love? These dudes had like album release shows across the na- the nation, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like in a bunch of cities. The idea that you can get pe- could get people to come out, not for you, just like for your for your album release. That yeah. is like wow, that's some serious so loyalty. Were they supposed to show up and then didn't? Or was it? I ne- thought they were no, showing up. No, 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 no. I think it was just no. That was the thing. It was just like. We're releasing our album, and you can um, you can come listen to it in a room. Yeah, you can come listen. <laughs> did, so to it did in a did, did did like ICP put this together, or did just some fan, some ju- juggalo? It must have been you know, a fan because I just love the idea that like stand up comedy takes a backseat to ICP fans. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just and like brought, what world? Significantly is- more people. Right. I guess it's yeah, because they're, if anybody was going to jump the owner afterwards for moving them, yeah. <laughs> it would be the jugglers. Not the it's comedians. not a, yeah, it's not a stand up comedy fan. Yeah. Plus, yeah. the bar is going to be able to sell a ton of Fago. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there was like, Did uh, I ever tell you guys I, I went to a concert, an ICP concert? No. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, when like, I, I was lived. in the band. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Whitmer with all the face paint on. The <laughs> you guys didn't know that that was me this whole time. Um, oh, the uh, the funny thing about them is like it, if they, it's like nobody they they could be geniuses at what they do if they were doing it ironically. If it was all like a <laughs> bit, because the yeah. performance art that they put on, like their shows are nuts. There's like a, it's like a play with sets that change during the shows and like people are getting murdered and it's like blood and it's fucking crazy the shit. And then they're just like launching two liters of Fagos. They're crashing them and they're flying into the stands. I got hit in the leg with one of them (laughs) and uh, it was, it was something to see, man. It's like the only show that I paid money, like significant money. It was like, I don't know, like let's say it was $35 a ticket to go see a band that I don't even, I couldn't even name a song from. But I just wanted to see yeah. what it would be because, like, generally, like, you wouldn't do that. I mean, right. we've all, like, seen live music that we didn't necessarily plan on seeing and whatever, whatever, whatever. But, like, this was, like, intentional. Like, I'm yes, I'm going to spend $40 to go see ICP, even though I don't know any ICP songs. I just wanted to see what it would be. And me and, like, three or four friends went, and it was fucking wild, man. It was, like, really crazy. Like, their performance art would be really cool. If it wasn't like, isn't murder cool? <laughs> like, if it was a little bit of like winking at the, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. And the fans just, they think yeah. that they don't like it for the the reasons that I liked it. You know what I mean? Anyway, it was fucking wild. Mm-hmm. I would definitely see a band like that. I mean, I would go to most shows, to be honest. But like, you don't have to just be a fan, a huge fan to want to go to the show. I will absolutely go see NASCAR one day. Right. Like, I don't know. I want to experience what that's like. Some people like it. Yeah. So um, I commend it. Wait. It would be great if they were like uh, just doing performance art and they're just ironically doing it. And you go to like one of their houses. It's like a beautiful mansion. And, you, and the guy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm looking for a silent J or shaggy Tuto. <laughs> it's just a guy with glasses coming in with a rope. Yes. How can I help you? <laughs> he's like, not at all like that. When he's yeah. Like, they're just like theater nerds who are doing yeah. this as like a joke. <laughs> Well, they were they were told you have to admire that band because I remember being they were told like by like every label. Apparently they were told like you have no chance like by like every label. So you kind of got to respect like, yeah, they didn't take no for an answer and found a way to find a big fan base there. You know, to me, there is and there is to me, there is critically revered. As you know, like an Elton John or like a Billy Joel, 
Um, <laughs> or Paul Simon. ICP is going to do a residency at Madison Square Garden indefinitely. <laughs> They're going to break Billy Joel's sold out record. <laughs> Paul Simon and, and ICP. They really do just speak to the idea of like, as long as you serve your audience, mm-hmm. you know, you'll, you'll probably have a career for life if you just like keep putting stuff out th- that your audience likes and will just fuck with constantly. You might not grow new audience members, but if you just hold on to your same, you really only need a hundred thousand people to like you in order to like, that's not what they, I've career. heard the saying is you need 1000 hardcore fans. Yeah. And you really? can have a living like, I've heard that, and it kind of makes sense in a way. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they have probably like five hundred thousand hardcore, hardcore if, fans. If you just have one hundred or one thousand hardcore fans in like geographical pockets of the country that would be willing to travel to go see you, you could literally just do like, you know, like sh- two shows, and just do like the two, sh- like the what do they call it, the like the Christian comic circuit, you just go from like Florida yeah. uh, oh. up the, up the Mississippi, <laughs> like hit all those mid mid yeah. Midwestern places. You just fucking crush. There, there's Christian comics who are worth like a ton of money who no one has ever heard of. Cause they just go and play those places and they, they, they pack out theaters and they just fucking sell a shitload of tickets. There's this one there. Netflix came out with a special called like thou shall laugh or something like that. And it was like Christian comedians. And one of them was like um, this, this like puppet guy. He was just like Jeff Dunham, but he was like Christian, I guess. And like he fucking annihilates and is like the probably the thirteenth richest comedian in the world. <laughs> I don't know his name even. Like he, he just killed it. People love puppets, man. <laughs> what well, if you could label yourself Christian comedian? It, the things that would want to make us never to like have like a lame marketing angle. Right. Uh, if you can don't give a shit, like being the best comedian, that's really hard. Being the best yeah. Christian comedian, uh, a billion times easier because <laughs> there's not that. Right. that and many. like, yeah. Yeah, and you don't have to talk about it. That's what I noticed when I watched like the loud thou shalt laugh thing. It's just like PG wholesome comedy. So if you're a clean act, you can just claim to be a Christian Christian comedian and like no one will know the difference. And you're just doing clean humor that's family friendly. That's really that's all I mean, I don't know, like Creed was a Christian rock band, but like you know, like Creed's first album that came out was like kind of heavy. Like you wouldn't really know just listening to Creed's first album. It was like hard rock. And then they got like more success and you know, the arms wide open and all that shit, which is probably more Christian or, or poppy or whatever you want to say. But like they got, they got notoriety from being kind of like a hard, like a heavier band before they became like, you know, mainstream success or whatever. So I I mean, it's like, who's to say what's Christian and what's not Christian. It's like you can do heavy metal or hard rock and just don't say curses in it. And you can just be Christian, I guess. The thing with like people who seek out Christian comedy and stuff, it's like what they're really paying for is the peace of mind to know that nothing uh, like they don't have to be worried the whole show. Like, is he going to curse at some point? Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's just you're paying for the peace of mind to go like, oh, this is going to be clean. I don't have to like, I don't have to worry about fucking um, somebody saying fucking. It's just, yep. You're, but you're absolutely right. It's people pat themselves on the back often with like clean comedy where they're like, I just love someone who doesn't feel the need to be dirty. Yeah, and, and like that, that shit always annoys me because it's like it's not better or worse whether it's dirty or clean. Yeah, and if you even talk to like clean comics, like Brian Regan, isn't like oh I could never hear a sex joke. Yeah. Like I'm sure his favorite comic might be someone who's dirty. Like it's all about almost complimenting oneself like i am better because i don't feel the need to listen to uh filth 
I uh, I did a show one time, and you know it was it was fun. Everybody, you know, everybody did well. Me and another comedian were hanging out at, um, next door at a bar. So some people who were at the show came to the bar afterwards, and you know they were like, "Oh, you guys are great," blah blah blah, whatever. And then this one woman comes up to us and was like. Oh man, it was good. He's like, you know who I like? Uh, this she was talking about some clean comedian. Mm-hmm. She's like, I just think that's like so good. She's like, don't you think it's like so much better to do clean comedy? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't think so. She's like, it's just harder because you can't curse, so you have to make stuff funnier, whatever. And I was like, I mean, I guess if you like, she's like, I just kind of prefer that. And I was like, oh, why is that? She's like, well, I just became born again. So I just I, I just want clean comedy. I was like, oh, so you want clean comedy now that you uh, right. just became a Christian like a week ago. But <laughs> the thing is, she was trying to make the point that it's like it's harder to do clean comedy. Therefore, Not it is better. And I'm like, true at all. I don't, I don't know. I guess maybe it's harder in the sense that like I don't, I don't even know if it's harder. It's, it's just such a weird the jo- a joke has to work. I mean, there there probably are examples of jokes that work because there's a dirty word in them. But mm-hmm. th- like, I think Louis C.K. said it in like that talking funny thing is like, all right, well, you go try to get laughs with fuck, just saying fuck. It's like it, it's that that's not the cheat code uh, to having a good set. Like, if anything, like when you curse a ton, it it looks like it's like a crutch and it looks weird. I don't know. I just think what it, it regardless of what your point of view is, it, it's like this is what people always mistake. They they think that oh well that's the way for to do it. It's like no, like that's uh, if it's authentic to your voice, like Brian Regan. Brian Regan, like may may he may have made the conscious decision not to curse at one point in his career, and maybe he th- and maybe he's even holier than thou about it. But I guarantee you that if he started cursing, he wouldn't get any funnier because. He, his comedy is authentic to his yeah. voice. Same with Seinfeld. It's like those are people right. who are just authentically them, their point of view. Like you see uh, you see their fucking like you, you just know their material. Like you just like when even if you hear someone else doing a joke, you go, oh, that was a Regan inspired comedian, you know, and uh, I guess my point is, is, is yeah. if it's authentic to who you are, if it's authentic to your voice, then it, it's it'll be good. That's all. If your voice is good, I should say. Well, and I mean, it definitely depends on the comedian a bit because, like, you are right. If you're Seinfeld, like, on some of those bits, is it really, what are you going to be like, these fucking Pop Tarts? Like, <laughs> it's just like, that's, that's just like a wasted or off base F word that doesn't feel real. But then on, like, some of Louis stuff, like, when he's talking about being, you know, infuriated by his asshole daughter, then it can fit. It's well, it's, it's just about authenticity, I really think. Yeah. And it's yeah, also it's like it him him cursing about that is just about it's not about the curse words themselves, it's about the frustration behind them. That's not right. really that's what makes it funny. It's like this guy's unraveling and having to curse about all this stuff because it's all pent up and all, all this pent up frustration he has about being a new father or whatever. Right. Um but yeah, I don't know. So I Chris, was thi- go what's ahead. up? No, you go. No, I was thinking about comedians and stuff, and uh, I, I kind of quickly wanted to bring up John Mulaney because he's like, he's like one of the most interesting ones to me because I always thought he was like, for a comedian on his level, I was like, man, he seems to have it all together. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, so he went to rehab like uh, a couple months ago, and now he's like. He, I, apparently he told his wife he wants a divorce um, and she just came out with it and she was like, oh, my heart's broken all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't even know what to, to make of this story. I just I I think it's so weird that like he because he kind of alluded to like some substance abuse problems, but he always like kind of struck me as like uh, just one comedian who, who had it all together seemingly mm-hmm. i i want i i don't i don't enjoy anybody's you know issues and i'm not saying there are any more issues than what we know of divorce and rehab because of a relapse or whatever but i do want to say that like i think on this podcast i called it i said <laughs> 
I said after Mulaney re- released this special with kids, I'm like, there's just something up with this dude. It's just a weird choice <laughs> to, to, for a guy who has zero interest in having any kids to put out a kid special. I was like, I don't know. I'm just saying if something came out, he's so wholesome. He's so put together and everybody loves him. I was like, this has like downfall in the making. Uh, and uh, oh, wow. I and you know, I'm not going to like, I don't want to say that he's up to something nefarious. I'm just saying that like, I think people who seem to have images of them being like put together very well and everything's going very well. It's calculated and they're hiding something. And I hope it's not as nefarious as a Bill Cosby. I hope this is all it is. Um, But uh, I don't know. I, I, it's, I, I hope it's all good is all what I say. Well, I mean, to be clear, just in fairness, the the Mulaney, it's, you know, it's the story was he checked himself into rehab for substance abuse problems, and then now he's getting a divorce. Um, so, you know, those are vastly different than committing uh, decades of rape. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> no, no, that's no, no, like no, 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 that's not... A relationship not working out is, uh, you know, that's, that happens sometimes. But that's I, not, that wasn't yeah. my point. <laughs> my point um, is, is like, the, it's not, it's not always as good as it seems is all I'm saying. Oh, sure. I, yeah. uh, I remember seeing him at Caroline's. This was like when his, just before his second special came out or something or third, whatever it was. I remember seeing him at Caroline's and there was like this dude in the front row who just, he had his feet on the stage and, uh, you know, he's doing his whole set and he just kind of does a little crowd work thing. Everybody's laughing, and have a good time. He's like, oh, so you're just going to keep your feet on the stage? And then it was kind of a joke. And then he's still like looking at the feet on the stage. <laughs> and then you're like, and at some point he kind of goes like, no, seriously, get your fucking feet off the stage. Dude. Like, and I was, the way the way I saw it, I can't really describe it that well, but it, just the way I saw, it, I was like, "Oh, there it is." I was like, "Oh, that yeah." Like he's he's in he he's kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah, it's there. It's, it's, it's definitely it's there. there. <clears throat> but you're right. It is there is party that's like, oh, it's always weird that the existence of public persona is never not an interesting thing. Um, just cause, uh, and, and these are different, like having substance abuse issues is obviously way different than that's just like, well, someone struggles with that. And I imagine yeah. for a guy that, uh, successful and, uh, and talented, obviously too, that like the pandemic just probably racked his head because he went from a guy who was always working yeah, and always had shit to do. And it, it was interesting for very famous successful people and co- comedians in this case because you're like you d- don't have to work so right. if there's anyone that can be okay with it it is you like you are probably worth like i don't know five ten million dollars like yeah he like but, took a writing job i'm oh, sorry he took a writing job on like seth meyer's show just to have something to do and like yeah for a comic <laughs> of that level you're like you know you don't have to do that like that's clearly like i need to work otherwise I well, I read the it. article that came out about this and like and some anonymous source close to Mulaney said that something pretty revealing. He was like the pandemic was obviously really hard on him. And then it said he had too much time to be in his own head. And I'm like, that's just like that's he is a busybody and he drives out the voices in his head or whatever, the 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 demons or whatever. Um, the insecurities, all the things that, you know, could make you possibly relapse. He drowns him out with just staying busy and working. And also, I don't know mm-hmm. how much he has to do with like a, uh, his kind of golden boy image. Maybe, maybe it's just because he's like, uh, he wears a suit and he's just very successful that people kind of see him that way. I mean, his material isn't, it's yeah. not like it's like, uh, it doesn't come off. It's it's not yeah. super clean. It's obviously he curses and it's it's you know it's somewhat edgy and stuff. So I guess it's like yeah. I don't know where this golden boy image comes from, but clearly, uh, 
he's he's been battling stuff for a very long time but but he was sober for 15 years before this so it's not you know i don't know it's interesting i i like i said i'm a fan of the guy and i hope he's doing well um and it's 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 weird that he comes out of rehab and is like fuck this woman i'm married to but (laughs) um you know you gotta you gotta do it's like in rehab i figured it all out It was her fault. Take this house. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, his image. His image to me comes from like the people like his fans sort of. And to me, his fans are kind of like um, like comedy, sort of like comedy nerdy or like, you know, that comedy nerdy audience. That's like sort of like young white millennial, like, you know, People that are like, oh, they look at his Instagram page like, oh, I love his dog and his wife. <laughs> like, that's where yeah. it comes from to me. Like, I saw a lot of people on Instagram be like, oh, my God, I'm heartbroken. Like, love is not real. Right. I'm like, well, I mean, you don't know what was going on behind the scenes. That's all, That's so it's like that's you don't like it's just like, why are you heartbroken for a celebrity couple? But I think yeah. that speaks to why some people can connect more with comics is I think you can. Uh, you know, he never felt like a famous, famous person. Yeah, he is. Don't like clearly he's wildly successful and famous, but he never felt like a celebrity. And I think mm-hmm. part of that is because his his come up toward becoming ultra famous has been a very gradual one, right? Of just kind of consistently doing great stand up comedy for a long time. <laughs> it really has because he's one of the ones that I'm like, he doesn't have like a, there was no like one thing like, you know, like Chappelle show was like the thing that pushed Louis or uh, Chappelle to the top. I love how I'm like Chappelle show was the thing that, uh, what's that guy's name? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and like Louis, like Louis CK kind of like broke from his show, I guess. But like, uh, Aziz, uh, Parks and Rec and stuff, they like really became famous off of the those things and like Amy Schumer off the roast. But like his has just been like steadily word of mouth and then just stand up. Like he Netflix. had a TV show, but nobody saw it. Yeah, exactly. Like his specials got people. Yeah. It was it was on Netflix. Like he hosted yeah. SNL based off like his stand up by just being Yeah, he was on the show, but he wasn't allowed to be in the cast. He was only a writer. <laughs> and yeah. he came back and now he's in the cast whenever he goes back. But yeah, it was his stand-up specials because I know I used to be a tour guide and I would talk to the people on the bus and whenever there was downtown, you know, every now and then comedy would come up and, um, you know, be like, Yo, you know, it always kind of asks, like, who, who do you like? Who's your favorite comedians? And then just one day, everybody, oh, John Mulaney, oh, John Mulaney, oh, John Mulaney. And I was like, he just put, because like the Netflix king of the, 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 the king of Netflix specials and like the time mm-hmm. where Netflix specials were really special was like, really five, six, seven years ago when he was putting out specials on Netflix every couple of years. And like, he had like three specials out on Netflix Mm -hmm. and I think everybody just watched them. Now, like Netflix has gone so far in the direction of stand-up comedy that like, you know, there's only a certain people, like if Mulaney is one of them, if Tom Segura has a new special or if, if Chappelle has a new special or even Schumer, like people will go to Netflix to see it, but like there's almost like an overexposure of just so many comedy specials on Netflix. But um, I think people just literally watched three comedy specials from him and are like, this guy's fucking hilarious. And then they learned all the shit about him being like writing Stefan. And then like whenever Stefan was on SNL, they knew that John Mulaney was there writing it. So there was like this mystique to it. And I think like it all just kind of fed itself. Yeah. And um and then he did that Broadway show with Nick Kroll and like, you know, he's been in so many things. He's, he does voice, uh, voiceover for that cartoon. Like he's, um, he, he's really, really, really blown up. And it's, it's interesting cause you're right. It's not because he had one show. That, but he, you know, he, I guess he, he's doing, uh, live shows, uh, somewhere. It's like a five or six day residency somewhere in like, I yeah. think like the lower East side. And right. then City Winery. Yeah, which is where I uh, saw a great singer-songwriter named Josh Ritter. Anyway, mm. um, it must just be really weird for people to know that shit about you. Where, yeah. like, you're a comic and 
I don't know. I, I don't think I'd want to talk about my fucking divorce of a woman right. I loved for a decade. Like, yeah, like people are looking. That must just be weird to be yeah. that public of a person that, you know, your fans are aware of your, pu- your personal life in that yeah. way. And you have a joke in notebooks and you want to do this joke you have about uh you know stop signs <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah or just whatever the fuck uh, yeah i mean he's right out of rehab doing like a 10-day residency which from the sound of it like i think it's called john john mulaney try stuff or something like that so it sounds like he's just like has no material and is like working towards material he probably has some ideas um but yeah it is weird to like get on stage and it's like it's basically what uh I think Norm Macdonald was talking about with when he was defending Louis ZK. He was like, must be so awful to like walk into a place and everybody just knows that thing about you. It must be so weird to just be like, yeah, like even like a, you just walk into a bodega and people give you that side eye of like, I ill, you're a fucking nasty yeah. jerk off guy. <laughs> yeah. It's really like, that's that, that bit that Louis did on his new special. He's like, everybody knows my thing now. He's like, Obama knows my thing. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like that's such a funny that's so funny because like that's something that you know like whatever weird quirk or fetish or something that some normal person has that shit will never be talked about and you can just live yeah. your life in secrecy with it but if you're famous and that shit comes out it's like that's almost anybody that's all anybody wants to talk about <laughs> and uh you're right that man yeah that would be crazy god it is weird. It bums me out to see, like you said, like someone who is the kind of like the picture postcard example of has their shit together and yeah. is also an amazing comic yeah. to be like, wow, no amount of success will uh, like make relationship problems go away. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not. And it's also not going to fill that hole. Like, yeah seemingly from what like Whitmer was saying of like him just working and working and working. It's like, I mean, you can work and, you know, get all the success, but if you're still, you know, if you, if you have that, those issues, it's not going to go away. Cause you, the more success you have, or the more you try to work it away or like try to push it, hide it in the attic as much as possible. It's like, I think it was like Kendrick Lamar was saying that like success and like it, fame in Hollywood or whatever he's like, whatever vice you have gets exploited and like accentuated like tenfold by success. Mm, so if you're a damn. drinker, all you're going to be, you're just going to be like covered in alcohol. Like if you're a gambler, you're going to be just high stakes poker rooms. You're going to find hey, yourself man. there. Hey man, I, I can't yeah. wait to get really successful as a pussy hound. I will love. <laughs> 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 you know, I, you know, Hey, count me in, count me in. Oh. Good thing. My vice is bingo night. <laughs> I just can't get away from it. <laughs> High stakes bingo. Christian, your bingo is becoming a problem. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I have like the rolling machine. Right next to me. You're playing your spy yourself. Yeah. <laughs> There's That's no way so you can lose. B14. The only card. B14. Anybody. <laughs> Dude, Bingo Straight Up is the most garbage game. It's so bad. It's not even fun. It's all it is is following directions. There's no strategy. I hate games that there's no... I guess some people... like I hate slot machines because I'm like, what are the chances that... To me, every slot machine, there is a person inside of it that's controlling whether you win or lose and they can just make you lose every time because what you can't play it different than anybody yeah you just pull the lever and do this the only thing that's different is is your face is looking in like there's nothing different about it's not like you're the best at this it's like it doesn't do anything yeah like you should play games where like you have some sort of like i don't know competitive advantage of that's like if you go to play um if, it's all gambling and the odds are not in your favor regardless but if they if you're gonna gamble you yeah. might as well do something where like you have a puncher's chance like a fucking slot machine is just mindless i feel like it's just like there's no way you're gonna win well i think a slot machine anyone at a slot machine in a casino those are the people definitely with problems yeah because it's it's 
it's not social interaction. So like, you know, if you're at a blackjack table, yeah. I like I, blackjack's my favorite thing when I, you know, times I've been at a casino, I like blackjack because it's like, it's kind of, you kind of have some control and choice, obviously, but you know, there's not that much. You don't have to think super hard. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but like the slot machine is just, it's just, uh, it's like a problem gambling problem, like manifested. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. yeah. there's no, like you said, there's no skill. There's no, there's no choice. It's just pulling and like hoping you get the dings to satiate and slot machines are bullshit at casinos. Cause they'll, they'll do like, you know, it costs a dollar to like pull the lever and then they'll do the noise like that. Like the winning and you'll win 50 cents, but you're like, I lost, like I gamble. I had to put in a dollar. I didn't win 50 cents. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They give you the, you won song for even when you lose money. Yeah, it's 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 a complete. Well, it's funny. I was about to say it's a complete crapshoot. <laughs> but um, I I actually feel so fucking weirded out. Like I get anxious at the blackjack table, especially at like casinos, because I like uh, I don't know the game well enough to play, and I always feel like everybody at the table is gonna get angry at me if I do the wrong. Thing. <laughs> I feel too much pressure, and then I also can't do math under pressure. So like I'll get an eight and a four and I'm like, uh, uh, uh hit. And there everybody's like, Oh God. And I'm like, I don't know. And I realize it's 12. I'm like, Oh wait, uh, double down. And they're like, God, oh, no. <laughs> That's so funny. So often at blackjack, I, I find myself like just deferring to the dealer. I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, what should I, what should I do here? And then when you do that, you can be like, you fucking when, yeah. it, when it goes wrong you just <laughs> you, do them. That, you do that you're like um you know it's like 10 and 6 16 all right cool uh give me one card and you know you get whatever three and you're like okay cool I'll, I'll stay with this and the next person some old fuck who like has spent the last seven hours at the table goes oh i would have gotten that three you fucking piece. i'm like i like what do you want i'll leave i don't know like like yeah. this, uh, this is a game to me this is not my life like it's also like if if you're at a low stakes blackjack table if if you're just like at a table that's like ten dollars a hand you can't go oh that would have been my three like go play with the big boys <laughs> you're literally you chose to play at this table that has a bunch of people who don't give a fuck because we're just here gambling because whatever like if you want to play with people who are super professional and know all the little rules then you have to pay for that shit go to the high stakes table but yeah. that's the thing. You say, oh, some low stakes table, like $10. I'm like, holy shit. I know. I was uh -huh. like, that sounds like that's a lot of money. Dude. I'm like, <laughs> are you sure that's low stakes? But yeah, because like in, in Vegas, like, for like for, I mean, if you go to Las Vegas, it's like finding a table that's cheaper than 10 or $5 a hand is really hard. You have to like, maybe there's special yeah. ones. So like. But like you have to think about people going to Las Vegas on vacation. If they put a hundred dollars down at the blackjack table to play ten hands, ten dollars a hand, they spend a hundred dollars. Yeah. Like that seems reckless to some of us, but to other people, they're like, that's part of the experience. You know, it's like spending a hundred bucks on a meal yeah. at dinner. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I've never yeah. I, blackjack's kind of fun. I, I always play. I try to play hold'em. The only bummer of that is. You have to go to a poker room, and if you're with friends, like I, I, I went on like a weekend uh, trip to Atlantic City with a, with this girl I was kind of seeing, and I uh, I went to God, this is probably like almost ten years ago now. I uh, went to a. Um, I she would was like, I'm gonna... if that was now your wife. <laughs> oh, no, this, no, no, this girl is definitely not that. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so like she's like, I'm going to play some slots. And I was like, yeah, OK, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go play poker. She's like, OK, cool. And then like I went to a poker room and it's like you can't just like the great thing about blackjack is you can just sit down and play like 10 hands and it doesn't take that much time. But poker is yeah. like you, poker is like three hours and like I'm playing. And then yeah. after like after like 55 minutes, an hour or so, she comes looking for me. 
And then she's just sitting at the table, sitting next to me, like on her phone while I play poker. And I'm like, this is the worst. Yeah. What are we doing? You're watch. You're on- you're basically like yeah. you could be doing something. <laughs> you're not doing it. You're like just we're you're bored on vacation. So I just like cashed out my chips. Yeah. I was like, this is stupid. Like, so the only game I like yeah. playing at a casino, you have to go alone, <laughs> like without friends. So you don't yeah. like, take up. You, you know, it's like, it seems rude to be like, yeah, we're all on vacation together at this trip, but I'm going to go fuck off for three hours and play poker by myself. Have fun guys. Yeah. The thing I don't like about casinos is that like, it's hard to play for fun. You know what I mean? Like playing poker, uh, with people at a casino is like you go like oh can we do like five bucks a hand They're like Ugh. you want to play for real money and you're like i i just want to have a fun time yeah i'm not here to fucking pay off my mortgage like you degenerates <laughs> like <laughs> freaking, like i just i literally just want to have fun this is not actually like yeah this is not a, a five-year plan for me right freaking, yeah, yeah that's the thing like dude, yeah go ahead brett i don't think poker is that fun with strangers Cause I, I, yeah, it's like a weirdly very competitive. Whereas, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. when you're playing with friends, it's like, like you know, you're not like I fucking read you. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it's like you know, it's just fun and light. But I feel like with strangers, it's not fun because you are taking money from each other. Yeah. Um, which is well, maybe that's the appeal of it, but I, I don't know. Yeah. When you're playing with like strangers like that in like a casino, it's like everyone's Toby Maguire and they want to fucking see you lose your, <laughs> lose your house. Like, I'm like, that's not a fun environment to be in where no, yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm going to own this guy. Cause my dad fucking, <laughs> he reminds me of my dad or like whatever, whatever yeah. issues are going on in the other guy's head. It's a completely different mindset. And for me, it's like, I don't know. It's like, to me, it's like, let's see if I'm actually good at this game. Because Mm -hmm. like when you're just bullshitting with your friends and you win and like, I tend to do well when I play with people who I know. And it's just because people who I know, like no one, like we're all just novices. who don't really care. You know, and it's like people are undisciplined and they get bored. So they go all in and like you like if you're playing with like I used to when I lived in the South, I used to like Monday night, me and like 10 people would always play poker together. And then you got to know people and you realize that there's like two good players, three good players. And I don't know. It's always fun. But like when you go to a casino, it's like, let's see if I'm actually good at this, if I can actually do anything. Yeah. And I I haven't been able to like really sit down and play guilt free poker at a casino really ever so uh i don't know i guess it's just like i want to know if i could win <laughs> so i want to i want to i want to try uh but you know it's hard you go in with like, the uh you go in with the shades <laughs> yeah oh god whitmer with shades at the at the table i hate just that some other dude i yeah i just don't want to play with somebody who's like trying to like i have a perfect hand and they're trying to make me fucking i have the nuts and this guy just fucking talks me out of it with his fucking aura yeah and like i fold on like <laughs> yeah the whole house and he just like, <laughs> he's got nothing but he makes he's stupid like hey bro <laughs> you got the yeah. cards bro right i don't know I don't know, man. It's it's crazy. Watching poker on TV is fun for some reason. I don't know why. When I saw the first time I ever saw poker on TV, I laughed because I was like, this is the dumbest thing ever. But now ever, if yeah. I ever see it on TV, I'm like, this is fascinating. <laughs> it's like great TV. The fact that you can see their hands is so awesome. <laughs> You yeah, feel yeah. like a genius for like, I would totally know what you oh, oh, dude, I would call. I would call. I know that guy's bluffing. Yeah. I can tell. It's like, yeah, dude, because you yeah, know his hands. It's cards. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a very, uh, I know that's a, a favorite um, time period of this podcast, but that's a very early, mid-2000s yeah. thing, the, uh, World Series of Poker. When like yeah. everybody thought they were going to be a, uh, like quitting their jobs to be a poker pro. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, Chris Moneymaker was the, uh, you know, the star of that era. And I mean, he, I don't know if that was, his, was that his real name? <laughs> yeah. Moneymaker. It's, uh, it's true. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> 
That has to. Wow, I think it actually is his name. He wow. might have changed it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he came from a poker website and he came out of from literally nowhere. No one knew who he was. Uh, and he won the World <laughs> Series of Poker. And that was like everybody's dream at that point to be like like that, where they come out of nowhere. And, that you know, playing online poker is fun. And uh, it, you could really make money doing it for a while there. And then, like, they just froze all the sites. I don't know if you remember that. I'm trying to remember. I think maybe in, like, yeah. 2008 or nine or something, where, like, there were literally people who had, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars in their online poker account that they had been working for. And all of a sudden, it all just froze. And they just yeah. fucking, they never got it, I don't think. Um, could you imagine yeah. that? I'd be, like, cashing out every day if that was where, I, you know, I wouldn't just be leaving 100K in, in the fucking the the poker app i'd be like no 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 give it to me give it to me (laughs) the poker bank right yeah i think the only place you can still play online poker for money is in jersey they're like the last bastion of online real money poker uh i remember i like uh i think i i put in like 50 bucks one time and i got to like 100 or something and i was like oh i'm the fucking man like this is when i was like 23 or something and i was like dude I might be able to do this for a living. <laughs> like, dude, I might, this might be my, my way. <laughs> and of course, like the next hand you lose it all. <laughs> right. The thing with online poker, and I never played for money. Um, at least I don't think I did. Um, but like when you play with the apps that are free and stuff, like uh, you can so just annoying. tell that the odds are just, it's not real. Like the, the, cause like I've played, like I played poker for every Monday for like four years and I got four of a kind one time in my life. Yeah. And like, if you play on an online, like an app and on your phone, like you, you get three Never. times a day, you see someone getting four of a kind and you like, you lose your full house to their full of a kind. I'm like, the chances of that happening are like 0.5% that I had a full house when he had four of a kind and then he wins. It's like the most, you know, you know, yeah. you, you lose a, uh, a flush to a straight flush and you're like how is that po-? like it happens so often that you're like this isn't they, they cook the books on these to make it like this on purpose and it's fucking stupid i'm sure they can uh fuck with the randomization algorithm yeah so that like right. it's just a little more fun yeah they <clears throat> but, definitely yeah, do. that is annoying and the the thing that's like super annoying when you play for free is like these assholes who just like get a bunch of chips and then they just call everything all in with nothing. <laughs> they just like steal pots for like for a whole, like they'll have and nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing. And they'll just like, fuck it. It's fake money. I'll just call down the river. And call then you're everything. sitting there playing and you're just waiting for a hand. And then you get like pocket jacks and then you do yeah. call them and then he flips over aces and you're like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> uh, it's so the worst. Brutal. Like, how is that fun? Like I never liked, I don't know. I guess like whenever I do any type of video stimulation or uh, simulation of what I want it to be as realistic as possible. So like, like when I play video games, like, like a sports video game, I don't want to win 85 to nothing because like that doesn't happen. (laughs) That's the best. (laughs) So to me, like I like when I'm playing poker, like I wanted to mimic what real poker is like. And you have all these assholes. You're just like, fuck it all in, fuck it all in all the time. And you're like, you would never do that in real life if you actually had real money on the line. So I don't know. It just ruins it for me. It's like the kid at the arcade who, when you play Street Fighter who would just like do the, the low kick. And they would just kick you. They would do the low kick. And then as soon as you get up, they'll kick you again until you lose. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, is this fun for you? Yeah, it's like you found this fucking – it's like is, does, is winning that, that important to you that you literally have to do it with like no sportsmanship or gamesmanship where you just sit there mm-hmm. and do the same move over and over again? Like that's so boring. That's the most boring thing to do is like, oh, well, if I figure it out, if I push – X, Y down, X, Y down. It does this special move and no one can beat me. I'm like, okay, that's fun. That's fun for you. But then, then you're the king of the arcade. And, you know, yeah, I guess. Fuck with you and get your high <laughs> score. And did you ever see like, uh, that movie, um, the king of Kong the no. documentary? No. What is it? Oh, it's the best documentary ever. It's, uh, it's about this, uh, this like small town that has like, 
in it is the record holder for the King Kong or the game King Kong, the original like eighties arcade game. And in it, <clears throat> there's, um, this is Donkey score. Kong. This is King Kong. Uh, sorry, Donkey Kong. I don't know okay. Okay. Cool. I was like, but, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. The, the documentary is called King of Kong. So the Donkey Kong high score is held by a dude named Billy Mitchell. And he's like, he, dude, he's straight out of like, uh, a Will Ferrell movie. Like he's like Danny McBride, like for real. Like he has long hair. He's like, I'm fucking, I'm the fucking best. I have like, I have a high score in Donkey Kong. No one's ever beat it. I sell my own hot sauce, and like I wear. <laughs> I have it into a hot sauce career. <laughs> he's like, oh he's man, like, he wears cowboy boots. Like he's. He's like, I don't know. He's like oh. a, the head, like the owner of a car lot type of dude, right? <laughs> yeah. So then, like this young, this like guy who's just in his garage buys a, um, a, a Donkey Kong game, arcade game, and he just tries to like beat the high score. So he ends up beating it. And then this dude, Billy Mitchell, like finds out about it because that's like the only th- his claim to fame. So he finds out about it and he like starts to like play King Kong or Donkey Kong again so that he can beat the high score. This is a documentary though. That's the best part about this. It's like, <laughs> it's all about being the most famous guy in your small town, which is the best kind of like comedy ever, because it's like the stakes are infinitely high for them and <laughs> meteorically <laughs> low for anyone watching. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a brilliant it's not like his hot sauce empire is going to go under now that he's second place. Right. No, <laughs> it's but like, it's, is the hot sauce good or bad? It has nothing to do with his score and Donkey Kong. It's an amazing documentary because it's like, he's, he has so much ego and like, I mean, I'm going to spoil it a little bit, but like at one point he like, okay. there's rumors. No, they never say this in the movie, but there's rumors that he like, he broke into the machine to fix, to like fix the score, <laughs> the Billy Mitchell guy <laughs> oh my to God. cheat. And then like, he has like all these underlings around him who like run the arcade shop and then like, call him up. He's like, he's getting close. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's a brilliant, brilliant document. It's really fun to watch. Really fun. Could you imagine that being your upward mobility is, you know, Billy Mitchell and you're like, if I'm just nice to him, maybe (laughs) I can get something out of it. It's like, God damn. Don't leave your, when you don't leave your small town, that is exactly what happens. It's like, it's like the, the, the bar of famousness (laughs) is just so low that uh, it's like, he's the richest guy in town and he has like a hundred grand. So, (laughs) (laughs) That's fascinating. That it's guy, that, I mean, people, you want your main character to take it like it's gravely serious. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's what makes it so fucking funny. And yeah. anyone watching is just so funny. Yeah, you guys got to watch it. I think it was nominated for like an Oscar or something. And um, speaking of award shows, uh, the Golden Globes are now canceled by NBC. Uh, oh, really? really? Yeah, you didn't what, see that? No. I thought that gold, don't the Golden Globes usually have them before the Oscars? They do. Uh, I just they thought they had them this year. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So they're so just not going to do them. They're not oh. going to do them anymore. But uh, it's because the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, they got a lot of shit for not being diverse. So mm-hmm. I think they have like zero black people on their not like council or whatever. And they were like, oh, mm-hmm. we'll work to do that. So then um, like Netflix started – like they're like, fuck you. We're not wanting to work with you anymore because of your diversity issues. And then all these other companies started like disavowing them because, um, their whatever pr- program or, um, initiative that they were going to do to, uh, you know, be more inclusive was not happening fast enough, I guess. And then, so people were like starting to say, fuck you. And to this yesterday, the NBC, canceled the golden globes because we they're like well, we will not work with the you know this organization and tom cruise sent back his golden globes and protested them god when tom cruise jumps on <laughs> boy you know it's safe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you know what's yeah, that's really funny that like because uh, they're not they didn't cancel the Golden Globes in the sense that like the Golden Globes can still happen. The NBC is yeah. just like we're just not putting them on our. But yeah. really, like NBC is like getting this. Sh- but really, it's not the diversity. It's the horrible ratings. And the reason why That's what I said. the ratings are <laughs> fucking it. horrendous is because these holier than thou shitty virtue signaling celebrities suck. They're terrible and no one wants to hear from them. I saw I saw the uh, headline was like NBC cancels Golden Globes over HRF, you know, Hollywood Foreign Press or whatever. HFP a debacle or whatever. And then I tweeted the um the headline should read NBC finds co- convenient um, excuse to cancel declining, like steadily <laughs> declining rating show. That's, um, it, it's like, and now that they can like say they're canceling it for like a kind yeah. of moral sounding reason. And yeah. not just cause that's all there is. No one, no one's giving a fuck about the Oscars. So yeah. no one's giving a fuck about the one that's like the main, most famous one. Yeah. Who the fuck can give a fuck about it? It's like people don't realize that behind the scenes of every show that has diversity is a board of people literally having conversations like, no, we already have a black gay man. Now we need a Filipino (laughs) gay man. Like you would be appalled by the conversations that they have to make things appear to be diverse. Hollywood is full of shit and people don't like people realize it. Obviously, it's just like they're the most full of shit people alive. Um, I was just listening to this interview with uh, Malcolm Spellman. He is the showrunner for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, show yeah. On Disney Plus, very. Uh, it deals with a lot of like black themes or whatever, black main character, all that stuff. But he was talking about it, uh, and he's very frank. It's a really good interview. It's on Kevin Smith's uh, Fat Man Beyond podcast, or whatever. But anyway, he was talking very frankly about Hollywood, and he was like, uh, "My first script." was a spec script that got a lot of attention and uh, it was called Corey. It was about like a black skater kid who, you know, he wants to go to the X games and then he meets like a burnout Tony Hawk guy and, you know, karate kid basically with X games skater, whatever. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he got a, he got a, a note from an executive. He's like a very a plus level executive. And at the time, this was like 2000 and he goes, uh, Okay, I mean this is great, but we got to make the main character white. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and he was like, and he goes, you know what though? Like now, in retrospect, he's like, I can't even blame him because that's that's just what it was like at the time, and that was only twenty years ago. That wasn't like, yeah, right. So it was two thousand, and he was like, he was like, it's just crazy that they were like, the, there's one black character in this movie, and that's too much. <laughs> like, wow, yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I heard him actually on Brian Cobbleman's podcast talking about other other things, and like when he in the early two thousands he was invited to like an after party after an award thing, and like mm-hmm. him and like five white writers were all walking in at the same time, and the bouncer just walked up to him and grabbed him by oh, the boy. arm and said, "You have to go." And the bouncer was black, and he said he could see it in the guy's eyes, going like, "I, I they're telling me," and, and like basically just because he was black he was removed from this part and then like the white writers came out and it was all but like again like we think of these racist things and we go oh what was that like 1965 no 2003 so it's like i just get yeah i just roll my eyes when they they take all these like fake stands yeah because this all happened in their industry it's all them they're they are involved in all of this it's like, I don't know how many times I have to say it's like, well, I'm not that I'm, I have influence or something, but I feel like I say it a lot. It's like these people just come to us saying that their industry needs to be more diverse. And it's like, you work there, you fix it. It's like, I, you know, it's like what the, that would be like the fucking CEO of UPS calling me and saying, Nick, we really need to be more diverse here at UPS. It's like, okay, that's your place. Go, I don't do anything. I have nothing to do with it. The, the the head of UPS calls Nick Wimmer is like, wait, we got to do something about these shipping times. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. What to yeah, tell I you. agree. You do need to do something. Is, about that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is, you're right. Like during the times up and me too, they're like, time's up. 
for you know sexual assault. It's like you guys were the ones doing all of the raping. So uh-huh. leave me out of it. And you were the ones who were too afraid. You were the ones who were too afraid to call them out on it because you knew that if you did, and by the way, the ones who did lost their fucking careers and you let that happen. You let that fucking happen until it became socially acceptable. Yeah, exactly. It's not like they're fucking casting the the girl from uh, Romy and Michelle who Harvey Weinstein raped and then silenced and ruined her career. It's not like they're putting uh, whatever her name is and, the other fucking what's her name uh, Rose McGowan. It's only she's in a new Rose movie this, this summer. Because like, now, because now that when they bring her up in like casting meetings, they go eh, too old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it's God. They're so foolish. This all happened. It's, it's like they knew it was going on. It's like we talked about it last week. It's like we watched Thirty Rock, and like Thirty Rock had several Bill Cosby or one Bill Cosby joke, several Harvey Weinstein jokes back before anybody talked. It's like everybody knew what was happening, but no one had the courage to actually try to do anything about it because they thought that it would ruin their career, which what does that say about your industry and you know, all of you? And then when it became right. acceptable to pile on and it was a social movement, and it was too big. Then all of you jumped on. You're, it's like you're all cowards. Like you're all you're all opportunists and you're all cowards. And that's what people like that, all actors and all that, they're all full of shit. They're all virtue signals. They all... And then they go on their fucking award thing and then they talk, they lecture us about climate change. It's like, dude, you guys are just fuck, fuck them, dude. That's why they lost. The, that's why it was canceled. They're, they're <laughs> awful. But that's what's kind of awesome about uh, celebrity has been that celebrity is that that concept has been so cheapened by just the media saturated world we live in. Like celebrity, there's not that much social currency to it because like anyone can kind of not become a celebrity. But I mean, ostensibly, you could kind of accrue a a small online, like a online following. In any case, it's just been proven no one gives a fuck about any of them. And that's what was great about the pandemic was it just got punctured that like we clearly don't give a fuck about you you didn't like the imagine video they did you didn't like that <laughs> that was that actually did cheer me up they, it, <laughs> it, it actually she set out uh what's her name gal gadot Gal-Gadot. set out to cheer us up and it worked because it did it for the reason she thought it would like it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't me going like oh thank you so much her for face singing. Yeah, yeah, but like it did cheer us all up because we were like, "Look how fucking dumb these people are." Yeah, and it's and it, by the way, in it. yeah, that video by the way is it is it's like because everybody goes, "Yeah," but the celebrities that I like don't do that. That video had Sarah Silverman, Will Ferrell. It had a lot of people who aren't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. They had a lot of people who people don't consider to be like, you know, that obnoxious celebrity level who all think, oh, yeah, you're totally right. People would love for us to solve the pandemic right now in early April by singing John Legend's or uh, John Lennon's Imagine. Like, they're all just tone deaf. But I think I, I feel like certain celebrities, like their manager probably told them that Gal Gadot wants to make this video. And they were just like, sure, yeah, whatever, I'll do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But why would your manager reach out to you about being in a video that it's like your manager should be involved in getting you a job? You know, like, are they going to kick back money from the fucking Twitter algorithm or something? Like, what the fuck possible? It's like the only thing, you, it would be like exposure. Like if Brett was in it, it would make perfect sense because it's like, oh, it's exposure. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like for Will, it's like Will Ferrell, is, he doesn't need exposure. Yeah. That would be funny if Brett's just in it and then people were like, the most popular Google search is, who is the guy at 46 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> and then he immediately, yeah, it's just like he's the owner of Cumrag. It's and then I go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay i get it let's, now let's take him down <laughs> yeah that video seems like a lot of people owed a favor to <laughs> different people like 
my agent's I owe my agent a favor. He, he asked me to do this. Fuck it. All right. I'll fucking- I don't even think it was that. I think they all thought it was a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, you People know what would, would love make, to see us. You know what will cure things right now? Us. Ugh. Yeah. Fucking ego. Anyway, I think thoughts. that's a good place to wrap it up. Just yep. Whitmer going, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, guys, uh, buy uh, Bratcoin. Um, That's right. We are now in pre-market. Go to Bratcoin.org. Email me if you'd like to buy them. Ten cents a share. Uh, subscribe to my right. YouTube channel. Yep. And Christian um, Duran Comedy. Christian yep. I signed up for an op- streaming. I signed up for a fucking open mic. It's gonna be, I'm going on stage at five o'clock today. It's gonna be the first oh, time in you. a long goddamn time. You know, tell so, people what it really is like. You know, it's yeah, spit truth to power. Dude. What mic you doing, Rig? The um, one in the meatpacking district. Nice to meet you, or nice. something like that. And nice. um, yeah, I'm just gonna it's go up there and hand. say, imagine, just to be like, guys, <laughs> this is what will get us through this. Um, yeah, this is gonna be crazy. It's weird. Like, there's this. It's like this mic sign up that like they release like a link, and you have to go in and like sign up in one of the twenty slots, and everybody's doing it at the same time. It's like, yeah, no one would ever do, have done this pre-pandemic, you know. Like, like fuck yeah. it, I'm not going to go through all those hoops for a shitty open mic, but now I'm like, I have to do this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, find Whitmer at that open mic today <laughs> yeah. at 5 p.m. Go go check him out. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Cool. Peace. Right. Peace. Bye. Uh, it's not stopping. <laughs> it's not stopping. <laughs> it really isn't. Holy shit. Wait. I don't know. My thing's not working at all. Should I refresh? Because I'm worried I'm going to lose stuff. Uh, usually, when, usually when you refresh it, let me. Yeah. Mine, it still says it's recording. Like it's... Mine is too. Like the stop button just isn't. I'm clicking and nothing's happening. Wow, dude. I might get on the Stacking Benjamins podcast. What's that? Um, it's like a pretty big podcast. Um, dude, Bitcoin's going to fucking blow up. <laughs> it better. Where is he coming back? Oh.